In this episode, we take a look at the psychotherapy EMDR. We look at how it works, its origin. We talk about what will happen in a session, the benefits, and even something we really like about its creator. Let's talk about what intuition really is. Let's look at all the places intuition and ego show up in your life. Let's share honestly. Let's do the research. I'm Jamie Hayhurst. I'm Heather Wood. This This is the Intuitive Girl's Guide. Hey, Jamie, we have something cool to talk about today. We're going to talk about EMDR. Yes, very cool. I'm really excited. So EMDR is a form of psychotherapy. Mm Mm-hmm. You should definitely do EMDR with a licensed professional. Oh God, please. Let's say that right now. I mean, yes. Yes, that's a good point. <laughs> We're going to tell you about it. You're going to get some techniques. Some of it you can do by yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. But make sure when you're dealing with trauma. Yes. Or even just any kind of emotional distress. Right. You seek a professional. Always. Please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there are people who dedicate their lives to this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So... Have them in your corner. Yeah. If it was for your physical body, you would go to a doctor. That's a great point. So why not go to a mental health professional? Yep. A good one. Yeah. That's important too also. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. Okay. So this is a psychotherapy that uses something called bilateral movements or bilateral sounds. Right. To help you heal from trauma or emotional stress. And it drastically cuts down the healing time that can often take years and years and years. Yeah, to me, it's like the wonders of science. It's, but it's also like it's presented very scientifically. Right. But it's also super intuitive. Exactly. And that's what we love in this podcast is where those two things overlap. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is a really good topic. I agree. You're going to hear a lot about EMDR like when it comes to PTSD, mm-hmm. because I think that's sort of like where it's mostly used. At least I think it's much more used now, I should say. But even if you go back five years, I think you would really only see it connected to PTSD for a while. I've only ever heard of it being used for PTSD. You can use it for so many things. Oh, I actually, interesting. I'm going to play a clip later where the creator of it talks about using it for nightmares. Interesting. Any kind of emotional distress, anytime, we'll get more into this, but anytime your brain is having trouble processing something, Hmm. EMDR is a tool that you should look into. I don't want to say it's right for everyone. That's not really fair, but I think it's incredibly healing and really cool. Yeah. Well, I think there are so many modalities that can help that the more you actually know about, the more you can consider. Yeah. The more you know. more you knowing is half the battle. (laughs) G.I. Joe. (laughs) I can't believe you quoted G.I. <laughs> okay, so EMDR was created in 1987. Okay. By a man. No, a woman. Yes! Finally! <laughs> yes! Who I could find nothing controversial on. Oh my God. Nothing about her bothered me. I mean, if you haven't listened to our other, other episodes, there's always like the father of yes. whatever. The father of time travel. <laughs> Everything has a goddamn father. Interesting. This has a mother. I love it. And I also feel like sometimes people will see like a topic that we've done come up and they get nervous because we're going to like they're afraid we might ruin it for them. (laughs) 
We do have a tendency to do that. I mean, we call out things that are shitty. Make your own yeah, decisions. Yeah, I mean, but I'm our, sorry, love languages. I was just going to say, see our love languages episode. It's a, it's a problem. Yeah, I mean, we do the research. Correct. So if you don't like the research, I'm, sorry about that. That's kind of on you, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't find anything controversial. I love it. the The closest I came to finding controversy controversy on her. So her name is Francine Shapiro. Okay was people questioning if she was related to Ben Shapiro, and she's not. Oh, that would be problematic. <laughs> yeah, that was the closest I could okay. get to a controversy. Good. Okay. Now, some people feel like EMDR itself is controversial, but not with her. She, okay. I didn't find her being racist or any sort of white supremacy ties. Problematic in any way. I couldn't find Excellent. it. If anyone knows and wants to tell us, I'll Oh, yeah, listen. let us know. But, yeah. like, I, I, I did the Googling. Awesome. Yeah. So she was a California psychologist, mm-hmm. and the story goes that she was going for a walk in the woods, and she was having a lot of disturbing and intrusive thoughts. She was going through a lot in her personal life. She had been diagnosed with cancer, hmm. and she had sort of changed her career trajectory from being like English lit, mm-hmm. going you know for a master's in that. And when she got diagnosed with cancer, she sort of changed into wanting to learn more about the mind-body connection. Okay. So she became a psychologist. Okay. So she's going for a walk in the woods and the intrusive thoughts come in. Hmm. Have you ever had intrusive thoughts, Jamie? Who, me? (laughs) I mean, I know the answer to the question, but... All the time. Yeah. Yes. I think everybody... Yes. Especially, I mean, as a mother, 100%. They don't warn you about that. They don't. (laughs) <laughs> they definitely don't warn you about that. That should be like the first, as soon as you're pregnant, they're like, let's teach you some techniques for intrusive thoughts. Yes, exactly. The minute. And even as a mother of teenagers, it still mm-hmm. is like something that I work with. I bet mothers of like adult children still. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you don't see them. You don't, you don't have eyes on them all the time. Like yeah. When your kids are little. Oh, Anyways. So Anyways. yes, I do. I am familiar. So she was having intrusive thoughts mm-hmm. and... She noticed that her anxiety and the the power of the intrusive thoughts sort of shifted as she was walking because she was looking around at the surroundings. Interesting. So she's like looking at the woods, looking around, and she's like, huh. And then when the intrusive thoughts came back again after she had been looking around, like, you know, because they come in rounds. Right. You think you're, you've wrestled you're it good, to the ground, right? and then it's like, hear mm-hmm. me again. Well, when it came back, she noticed it was a lot less emotionally powerful. Oh, interesting. So she went, wait a minute. What was I doing? What was different? She also noticed that while she was processing it, her eyes were moving back and forth just on their own. She wasn't Hmm. trying to do that. Interesting. Yeah. So she then started looking into it. So she started with her own clients trying Mm -hmm. it out. She she started, uh, you know, just like groups doing like little tests and she was like really blown away by the results. Interesting. I love a good story like this because all the fathers of stuff mm-hmm. are their stories are not fun, like the origin story of the thing. Well, and I was actually going to say this reminds me of the, <laughs> the origin story of Reiki. Yes, of Master Usui. Like he, I mean, he was more intentional. He was going on a pilgrimage. You know, did like a fast in a cave for yeah. three or four weeks or something. Kind of, isn't every walk in the woods a pilgrimage a little bit? That's a, That yeah. was my point is that yeah. like there's obviously something about being in nature, being connected to the earth that is healing. 
I mean, when yes. people say it, but like, it sounds a little corny. But it isn't. It's no, when you true. hear it like this, it's only corny in the stupid capitalistic crazy way right. we live. Like, oh, being surrounded by nature, by the planet that's like you are from and like right connected to and made of the same things that same like, energy and frequency yeah that being in something like the woods right big tall trees and roots and dirt and grass and rock and all of that 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 would be healing is not it shouldn't be corny no but you feel like oh you're one of those woods walker people right and then to the other side of that it's like well that's why when you're forced to sit in a cubicle for eight hours uh-huh. your body is not made for that your body's made to be outside on the ground like taking in different stimuli yeah not hearing you know breathing the same air recycled yes. air and yes with the fluorescent lights and that whole yes. thing you know what i mean fluorescent lights are the devil they're not great for you they they make me feel nauseous they probably give you headaches they definitely give me headaches yeah yeah anyways <laughs> <laughs> I love a story that starts. Yeah, I do too. With a walk in the woods. And also, I just have to be a, a dork about this. This is the first time we've seen an origin story where it was personal. Good point. I can't think of any other. I looked back through notes. Like any other like method that somebody invented or a technique that somebody came up with. I've never heard it start like this, which is I know how you and I operate when we're like putting something together. Hmm. Like what... What was my experience? What worked for me? And how might that help other people? What was the episode we did with the guy in the hot tub and the LSD? <laughs> that was human design. Oh, yeah. Again, not the same, but like no. he was having this like trippy yeah. experience, but I don't think he was actually working to like heal himself. No, he like he was being like the Jesus of the thing. Yeah, like, He was exactly. downloading the, the magical, yeah. the prophet. Right. Yeah. Right, this that's not what Shapiro is doing. No, she's like, right. I was struggling and this helped. And so I quickly went to see if it would help other people and then dedicated my life to learning about it so yeah. that other people could be helped. And she's just observing her own experience. She's not trying exactly. to be like the boss of something. Exactly. Right. I mean, have you ever heard her name before? No. I mean, so I think you should. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'll say it again. Francine Shapiro. Yeah. Not related to Ben. No, exactly. <laughs> okay, so... I found a quote from the EMDR Institute that I wanted to read to you because I feel like it's like a really powerful explanation and of, of how EMDR works, how they see it. And I want to see if you feel the way that I do about it, which is that it's like the most intuitive scientific thing ever written. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. EMDR therapy shows that the mind can in fact heal from psychological trauma much as the body recovers from physical trauma. Mm. When you cut your hand, your body works to close the wound. If a foreign object or repeated injury irritates the wound, it festers and causes pain. Once the block is removed, healing resumes. EMDR therapy demonstrates that a similar sequence of events occurs with mental processes. The brain's information processing system naturally moves towards mental health. If the system is blocked or imbalanced by the impact of a disturbing event, Mm. the emotional wound festers and can cause intense suffering. Once the block is removed, healing resumes. Oh my God, I love it. Isn't that awesome? I love it. That's in like scientific journals. It's so intuitive, but also spoken in just like such a normal everyday way that it's that you could be a complete muggle and read that and get on board. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Say, like a lay person. Like, right. I don't feel like I'm being spoken above. 
No. But it it's one of those things that I think is the most powerful where it's it's a true, very simple truth with right. like right. obviously complicated things behind it. But I, I really like that. Well, I think it bridges the gap between the physical and the emotional, which humans are not taught to do anymore. Right. That's it's true. like emotions are, are very separate. Yes. But making the analogy to the physical body, mm-hmm. to the emotion, mm-hmm. I think is really impactful. I do too. Yeah, I love that. And it, it also is, it like kind of speaks to the stigma we have around mental health, in my opinion. Yes. Like if you hurt yourself, Jay, mm-hmm. you had a wound and it wasn't healing because there was like something in it or you kept re-injuring it. Was it was getting infected. Would you feel like a ton of shame around that? No. No. I mean, you'd probably be frustrated. Right. But I don't think you'd feel shame. Correct. But if your mental health was suffering a little bit, like you had something happen and the wound wasn't healing, you would feel Mm. so much shame and guilt. Correct. It would be a self-worth issue. This is such a great way to get people on board. Right. Like to get people to buy into emotional wellness. Yes. Right. Without them feeling like they're having to like join a coven. You know what I mean? Like, I think people are really resistant to yes. that. And they make, they have these strange leaps and stereotypes about what, um, like being emotionally balanced or regulated or yeah. emotionally, emotionally intelligent. intelligent. Yeah. Right. Like we have strange stereotypes about that. I think this yeah. is a great way, almost like a gateway, like a gateway. A good gateway. Modality. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I agree. So there's lots of scientific studies that show its effectiveness I wasn't going to read them to you because they're written in a different language. I mean, they're written in English, but I don't. Yeah, right. Okay. Right. You can take my word or you can go Google them. Like if you Google EMDR and the scientific studies, you can find all kinds of different things. I mean, I was reading one that was showing a 70% effective rating, which for any modality is crazy high. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. You can also read transcripts of sessions, EMDR sessions. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody but me would find that interesting, but like you can, Mm. for me, if I was going to do EMDR for the first time, I've done it before. We'll talk about it, but I would want to read transcripts from other sessions first. Right. I I, I think that's a valid point. But I know not everyone is a researcher like I am. No, but that's why we trust you to just tell us about it. Okay. (laughs) So I read a lot of transcripts. We'll take your word for it. Okay, perfect. And you really could see, like, we'll talk about the process as an eight-step process that you go through. Mm -hmm. You really could see just by, like, what was written about how the client experiencing the EMDR was feeling at the beginning and then the the language they were using at the end. Mm -hmm. It was really, really powerful. You could really see shifts in so many different transcripts. Gotcha. And these are transcripts of people with all different issues. Right. So, like, this can treat... Low Mm self-esteem, nightmares, Hmm. PTSD, like anything. Like, again, I just want to emphasize it's not just for PTSD. Right. Great tool for PTSD. Yeah. Use it. But you don't have to have PTSD. I'm afraid people aren't going to try it because they're like, oh, I wasn't a soldier. That's what I, that's what I felt about it. Like I didn't have anything quote unquote bad enough. Yeah. Or severe enough. Yeah. To use it. So anybody who has any emotional distress in their life or anything that they (laughs) maybe weren't processing all the way. Right. You should try EMDR. Okay. Okay. Cool. (laughs) Good talk. (laughs) Okay. So EMDR uses eye movements or bilateral stimulation, but really the eye movements are a really big part of 
the healing process. Mm -hmm. And the idea behind this is that it uses the biological mechanisms involved in REM sleep. So the rapid eye movement. Okay. So what happens, the reason why that's powerful is that it stimulates both sides of your brain at the same time. Okay. Now that causes the brain to process. Okay. Okay. You know when, I'm sure everybody has a story like this. It doesn't mean it's PTSD. It doesn't mean it was high trauma. It's just something your brain has trouble moving through. Right. You know when you're you're having that like, oh, this is back. Like, oh, I, I, I'm avoiding these thoughts about this thing. Like this hard thing happened. Or every time I go to do this, I feel this way. And you feel that stuck. Yeah. Your brain is protecting you right. by not fully processing right. what happened. Right. Right? Like, that's your brain keeping you safe. It's not your brain, like, malfunctioning. Correct. It's not a chemical imbalance. It's not It's not anything that could be called wrong with you. No, it's doing its job. Exactly right. right. Exactly right. So sometimes if your brain perceives that processing the thing mm-hmm. is not safe at the moment... It's not going to allow you to do it. Right. And then if it doesn't feel like the current moment is safe, it's still not going to allow you to do it. Right. So if it's like, if it's coming back like that festering word, right? Like you, oh, this, I can't just like shake this or I have such a big emotional response to this or this thing in my life makes me feel stuck or a lot of fear. Then what's happening is your brain is kind of nudging you like we won't, we can't get past here. Right. We haven't processed this. So something like moving your eyes back and forth, that bilateral stimulation, will make your brain have an easier time processing it. I actually love this. <laughs> I thought you might. And I love it for the fact that there are, I think there are so many people out there. Mm-hmm. I know it's not just about PTSD, but I feel like there are so many people. I mean, if you're going to talk about like veterans, yep. you know, combat vets that are so deeply traumatized yeah um i know personally that are that them talking to a therapist is not even on the table Mm -hmm. it's not even Mm -hmm. an option Mm -hmm. and i feel like something like this where you feel like you're not having to be super vulnerable Mm -hmm. is such a good starting point Mm -hmm. and like you probably i'm sure you'll get to it but like i'm sure you get like pretty tangible results Mm-hmm. So it reinforces the fact that like the work you're doing is helping, mm-hmm. it, but you're not having to like lay yourself bare mm-hmm. to like a quote unquote stranger or a therapist or whatever. You know what I mean? Like exactly. I, it feels like it can be a modality that can help people who wouldn't be like your quote unquote typical therapy patients. Yes. And in that instance, I think it's a perfect gateway right. to then going in to have some more like traditional talk therapy right and i do think that's important to talk and do that like that cognitive talking therapy yep but sometimes you need to get through that brain block before you can get yourself on that therapist couch exactly you know exactly right and i think that there is some talking involved in it but Mm -hmm. it's we'll go through the process i'm gonna walk you through it it's much more, let's bring up this memory, let's look at it, and let's move through while there's this other stimulation. Right. And so to your point, like there's more than just sitting there trying to come up with the right thing, trying to answer these really difficult right. questions. Spill your guts. Yeah, right. there's this other element to it. So I think whether it's your first time trying therapy or mm-hmm. if you're already in therapy and you want to try something else, right? Mm-hmm. Like you want to add something to it. I think it could be really, really helpful. No, I, I agree. 
So also, when your brain can process the trauma or the issue or the distress, let's just mm-hmm. call it distress, right? Because trauma is a big word. Right. Okay. When it can process right. that, it can then change the story you have written about it. Right. You know I'm all about the story. Love it. Yep. When it, everything that that's the whole point people. people are so sick of me being like what's the story you have written about that that's that's, how that's my literally the whole works. point of why like how we exist absolutely if right. you're stuck if you're if you're not feeling as well as you want to feel then you've got some shitty story keeping you there right and if you think that's bullshit when you hear it just wait until you actually change a story and like your entire perspective on something that you thought was so set yep and probably awful. Yep. It completely shifts when you change the story around it. It's like being let out of a cage. It really is. It truly is. It's incredible. So when your brain can process it, that's when you can do the work to change the story. Right. That's when like, if you have a a story where like, I can't take care of myself because it, it means that I'm, you know, I need help. And if I ask for help, it means I'm a bad person. I might be talking talking about about me. Oh, (laughs) I was talking about myself. But it happens to fit both of us. <laughs> this is my lotion after the shower story. Oh my God. Tell it again. That like I couldn't quote unquote make the time <laughs> to like properly moisturize after a shower. Because it was like selfish. It was selfish and taking up too much time. And I had like other people that I needed to like get to and help and mm-hmm. Absolutely ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but it's it's such a good example of how illogical right. the stories are, but how it felt literally and truly 100% felt unsafe right. for you to take 30 seconds to lotion your body right. after a shower. Yeah. And then like, then you get stuck in the spiral of like, why can't I just put lotion on? Like, what, what what's yeah. the big deal to exactly. take care of yourself? It's, it's this weird loop. And you, so whatever shitty story you have, I mean, I know what yours was, but like whatever it is, the reason that it's dangerous to take care of yourself or to dedicate that time, it's unsafe is making it. So you're doing that. So it's, it's like when people try to help people heal and they're like, we'll just put the lotion on. And it's like, thanks Susan. (laughs) I didn't realize I I hadn't tried that before. (laughs) I hadn't attempted to force myself into it. I didn't think of that. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's more of going back to do it. So if. You want to change those stories. Mm. You've got to find ways to be able to process. Right. And I cannot say enough about processing with a trained mental health professional, whether it's with EMDR or traditional talk therapy or Mm -hmm. however you want to do that. Process it. Agreed. Process the shit out of it. Always. Over process Mm -hmm. it. Just do it. Yep. I agree. Let's talk about the eight phase approach to an EMDR session. Okay. So for the people who are like me. Who, before they go to a session, they want to know all the things that are going to happen at the session. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you. You're also the person that reads the menu before you go to a restaurant. Always. Yeah. I read that was a sign of <laughs> autism on TikTok. I mean, oh, everything man. on everything TikTok is, is on a TikTok. sign of autism and ADHD. Yes. But I was like, I actually just think that's overpreparedness, which I think can be part of autism. Agreed. Also, autism is a spectrum, so we all have these things. Exactly. Okay. But, um, yes, I do read a menu, and mm-hmm. I also read reviews, and I also look up how long it's going to take to get there, which I know you do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just the more information, the better. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I <laughs> was never a Boy Scout, but, like, the be prepared motto really speaks to me. Well, we're clearly not people who, like, 
run away from things, right? Like we're just, we'd rather run headfirst into something, but with every ounce of information possible. Yeah. There's fight and there's flight. Right. And the fighters are Googling the menu. Exactly. They're Googling how long they're putting it in ways or whatever. Right. To see how long it's going to take them and if there's traffic. Exactly. And then including time to find a parking spot. Yeah. And like, if you're in the city and you need a meter. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm also thinking like if it's the, if it's the day before, Mm. if I'm going to go out to dinner, I'm also going to plan what time I should probably eat lunch and how hearty it should be. Mm, That's true. So like, it just doesn't stop. (laughs) (laughs) Always going. Okay. So I want to tell you, I want to tell you the eight phase approach that EMDR technicians. Yeah. I think I, I don't think they're called technicians. I think I made that up. But hmm. Okay, for now, therapists. Technicians, therapists yeah. use. But I want to take a quick break first. Okay. And then we'll come back and I'll explain it to you. So if you're like me and you need that info first, that will help. Right. Even if you're not and you're just curious what an EMDR session's like, you'll learn about it. Gotcha. We'll be right back after this short break. You know what goes great with podcast listening? A great cup of coffee from a great coffee shop. Yep. Beans roasted in-house. Amazing baristas. You know where I'm talking about. Restoration coffee. Can we go? Yes. I need an Americano and maybe a panini too. Ooh. I need blueberry maple latte and probably a resto bowl. Ooh, yeah. Check them out and visit restoration-coffee.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey y'all, it's Jamie with a little shameless self-promotion. We've had a lot of people reaching out asking about distal Reiki. So I wanted to let you all know that yes, you can book a session with me. If you'd like some distance Reiki, get in touch with me and we will set it up for you. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's talk about what we're obsessed with this week. All right, Heather, we are once again obsessed with a TikTok. I mean, we're always obsessed with a TikTok. It's just whether or not that's what we choose for the obsessing. (laughs) It's one that you saw, though, and told me about. Yes. So you tell us, please. Okay, so I would like to say that this is the TikTok was just pointing to a a very popular trend that people are starting Mm, to notice. Right. Which is that women love like true crime podcasts and documentaries about Mm -hmm. serial killers. I am one of those. I am also one of those. In fact, we were texting about 
the Adnan Syed yeah, case. the serial yep. podcast guy who got let out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this this particular TikTok was talking about that. Yep. And was saying that like, why are women into that now? Like our ancestors weren't doing that. Oh. Except that they were. <laughs> they were. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So our ancestors, and I'm going to talk more about the women in this instance because mm-hmm. for the most part, it's this trend that women are very into it, into this stuff because mm-hmm. they are most often the victims of these crimes. Correct. Okay. But I'm not excluding anybody. No. Okay. So the, the our ancient ancestor women were cleaning or cooking and teaching each other about stuff and at the same time they were telling stories isn't this in our fairy tales episode it absolutely is yes see our fairy tales episode. Yep. they were telling fairy tales right that was what they were for and that's when people are like fairy tales are so dark because they're the original true crime podcast yes they're warning <laughs> stories right. this is they were talking about like oh like Sleeping Beauty, for instance. We mm. talked about that in the Fairy Tales podcast. Yep. Please go listen to it. It's such mm. a good one. I know it's ours. It's but not what you think it is. That's it's, it's not it's, what you think you're, it is. You don't. You go into it thinking you're hearing like tales as old as time. Yes. <laughs> they. I mean, they're different tales as right, old as exactly. time. Exactly. They're not so happy and fluffy. Right. So the Sleeping Beauty one, for instance, spoiler alert, is about rape. Yes. Okay. So that story was being told. While they were cleaning, while they were cooking, while they were eating, while they were gathering, teaching each other things, whatever, as a warning to teach other women how to keep themselves safe. Yeah, they're cautionary tales. Because there was no, like, under the rule of the patriarchy, we weren't really allowed to, like, pass this information on. Right. So we told it in the form of stories that not super smart patriarchal people didn't pick up on. Exactly. Because they were were it was like coding. You were coding the the warning so no one knew what you were doing. So in the fairy tales episode we decode those. Exactly. Go listen. It's really fun. But that's what we were doing then. And that's why women like this stuff now. Exactly. Because we're we're the victim of victims of these crimes most of the time. Statistically, absolutely. So we're listening not because we find it like really entertaining. We find it horrifying. Right. But it's almost like how can what can I learn from like the Elizabeth Smart case to keep myself Mm. or my children. Or my children safe. Like what could I do to learn more? I mean you know me, I love a women's self-defense class. Yes. And it comes from that same thing of right. like, I want to be as safe as possible because I live in a culture that doesn't do a great job keeping me safe. Correct. That's a great point. And that might be a little more subconscious. Yeah. Like you, you like when I listen to true crime, I'm entertained. Yeah, you're not I'm, like taking I'm not, notes. I'm not like shivering and like scared <laughs> and weeping while I'm listening to it. Like <laughs> it's not like that, but it, yeah. it's very much at the front of my mind. That this is helpful information. Yes. Again, more the more information, the better. Yes. Right? Exactly. And I feel like a lot of men are confused by this. Yes. Because they don't, most of them don't live in a world that they're constantly feeling unsafe physically. Right. Correct. And this is also where you and I deviate from like your typical traditional metaphysical practitioners, whatever the hell you want to call us. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, some people in this community might say, well, you're just attracting that to yourself. Oh, don't get me started. And you know how we f- feel about that. But I can't stand that. That's not how that works. That's not how that works. No. no. Not at all. See our episodes on how that works. Toxic positivity. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So 
if you're listening to your true crime, you're interested in it, or you're watching documentaries on any kind of crime mm-hmm. or serial killer or whatever, and you're discussing it with your friends, mm-hmm. your women friends, you are doing the witchy ancestor thing. Right. And again, people think of like witchy stuff as like casting cauldrons, right. stirring the cauldron. Right. I mean, that's all witchy stuff, misunderstood witchy stuff. Correct. But that's talking about true crime is really witchy right that's like my obsession with religious cult documentaries oh same because i would never be caught up in one but they're everywhere it's taking over our country so like why not know about it understand how they operate i know you know the vow season two is coming out just you wait for that episode everybody i know we're gonna have to do an episode on it i think absolutely yeah i can't wait yeah speaking of that all right so when you're doing that i just want you to take a moment Mm -hmm. and just like feel that tie to your ancestors right and stop stop guilting women for the things they like they don't do this to men no exactly it's like oh women all like the same stuff and i'm like looking around at Men all in the same suits or the same gym shorts or the same sneakers. and Or like, the fantasy football league or whatever. Yeah, you all like the same thing too. Right. Enough. And our lives have to revolve around it. Yeah. We're just trying to keep ourselves safe, bro. Yeah, agreed. All right, Jay, let's talk about the eight-phase approach okay. to EMDR. Okay. Now, I'd like to say right here that different sources of information all had these a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. So I tried to take from everything and kind of give you a general idea. Right. But some of them have different names for the phases. Some of them go into a lot more specifics. Mm -hmm. I think this is just enough for you to have a general understanding. Yeah, I'm sure it depends on the practitioner and whatever. Absolutely. Okay. Phase one is a history intake. Okay, good. Makes sense. Yep. So you're going to go in and the practitioner is going to ask you some questions about what's going on, what kind of distress you might have, why you're there. Mm -hmm. And they're going to decide what specific things they're going to use EMDR for. Okay. Next, number two, is that you are given tools to help reduce stress during a session or in between sessions. Okay. I love this. Yeah. So maybe it's like imagery. Maybe it's a breathing exercise. Mm. Maybe it's some bilateral movements that we're going to talk about later. But they actually say, if you're feeling stressed during this or later, mm-hmm. this is what I want you to do. Right. I don't think they do that in a lot of therapies or modalities. No, I don't. Mm, nope. I really like that. I do too. Okay. Steps three through six, I have grouped together for you. Thank because- you. <laughs> Because no one wants to hear every single thing rattled off. Okay. But basically here is where like your target is identified of mm-hmm. what you're looking at to, to like move through your EMDR session with. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have, they have the client identify and then like a vivid visual image related to the memory. They have them have a, like find the negative belief about themselves mm-hmm. and any related emotions and body sensations. Okay. All right. So they're doing the session Hmm. and these are the kinds of things that are going to be asked. Now I've had trauma therapy myself Mm -hmm. and I've had EMDR therapy and I've witnessed many different sessions with many different practitioners and people going through it who were talking about trauma Mm -hmm. and a lot, I would say I'm going to make up a statistic because I didn't do the math. 90% of them were doing those three things, even without EMDR. Gotcha. So that's like trauma work. Agreed. Okay. I think the physical sensation part is really important. I think a lot of us are very detached from our bodies. Yeah. Not literally, obviously, but 
metaphorically and when you can start to actually pay attention to what your body's doing when you're in a like a distressed state or a triggered state yeah i think that's really powerful i agree i agree i think knowing that is a huge thing so that like if you start to feel the physical sensation sometimes that might happen before the other stuff right like you could just get a clue in that like something's coming exactly and be ready good point yeah i also just love to know where in my body certain things live exactly i love that right i do a lot of googling where do you hold this (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) you hold grief in your lungs for example Mm -hmm. super interesting yeah, you hold anger in your liver. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. See, we do we do some good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so also with your EMDR session, you would be identifying like any positive beliefs. It's not mm-hmm. just negative. Any negative emotions, and you're gonna notice whatever spontaneously happens. Okay. So I think that's important too. Mm-hmm. So an example of that might be like if you were going through the session and all of a sudden you had this memory of Right before you went into labor. Right. That spontaneous thing needs to be vocalized because there's a connection. It's never not related. Spoiler alert. It's never a coincidence that you just had this quote unquote random thought pop into your mind. Yes. And I think that's true in so many different like intuitive or holistic therapies that like, I always love it when, um, like, like even if you're getting a chiropractic adjustment mm. and like they, they do something to your hips, this, this is a real story in case you're wondering why it's so specific. <laughs> like I was having my hips aligned and mm-hmm. the practitioner shout out to Dr. Dr. Kelly, Kelly Austin yep. <laughs> was, I was saying like, Oh, I'm having this memory of mm-hmm. being pregnant with Riley and like having to wear this like girdle thing. Cause my hips were separating. Oh my God. And she was like, oh, Oh, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, there's a little bit of stuff held right there. Right. So anything that you have going on, you're going to bring up, even if it's like, oh, my left arm just got tingly. I mean, that might be a stroke. That was a poor example. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, but I think that that's, again, why what we always have said since like the first episodes is that we're taught that intuition is supposed to be this big lightning moment or this big theatrical epiphany or something mm-hmm. and it's a lot more subtle than that it's a lot more of just putting pieces together right so when thoughts are coming to you memories are coming to you that's your intuition that's your your brain and your intuition working to like help you through it exactly exactly okay step seven is like closure mm-hmm. so what they do is have you keep a log between your sessions so say you're going weekly mm-hmm. so in the week in between you're going to keep a log and anything that you feel is related to what you're working on or to the session or to anything mm-hmm. you're going to write it down okay and you're going to use remember those techniques in phase two yeah if you're noticing it you're going to use your techniques and just know how that went okay i love that i, I love a good journaling process yeah if, if someone will stick with it yeah yeah well you know me i would i'm a I know you person would. Yeah. you would have to change I, it up a mm-hmm. bunch of times because you're a variety right i'd be like making voice notes on my phone or something yes i right. would be like here's my organized log about everything that i could think of and then the poor practitioner is like oh my I god just you wanted, wanted a recap <laughs> you didn't need to do you know 80 pages most people come with like a couple notes <laughs> I'm like at exactly 1237, (laughs) but you heal how you need to. Exactly. And then step eight is just at the beginning of your next session, you would do like a little review, a little rehashing. You would bring up your log. That's Mm -hmm. when mine would have to be a little extra long and talk about it before you started your next session. Okay. And then you would just repeat over. 
I love it. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about the bilateral stimulation. Yeah, we want to hear about that. Okay. So this is, you can use something you can see, hear, or feel crossing the body in a rhythmic pattern. Okay. That's what it is. Can I say something that might be completely off? Yes. Like. Please do. Wrong. It could be completely wrong. Sure. But back to TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not the part that's wrong. I see all these TikToks with people who are talking about having ADHD. Yep. And that they're like, for all my ADHD people, listen to this song. And it's like when the song like switches like Mm -hmm. the speakers. So like in your AirPods or whatever, it's like going on different parts of your brain. I'm always like, this feels like that. It It does. It feels like, I mean, I'm going to play that song. Okay, great. I'm going to play that sound for you. It's literally been in my head as you've been talking is that one TikTok song. Yeah, I'm going to play it for you. It's, It's the exact one. It's the record playing sound. Which is like the, it's, it speaks to humans intuitive knowledge mm-hmm. of how to heal themselves yes like if you're drawn to those tiktoks and those sounds and that music it's probably because you're getting some relief from it it's probably because you know it's good for you right. even if you have absolutely zero things you need to process or any emotional right. distress i mean it's just who your, are you it's if just you don't have any regulating itself but it's recognizing that that is a soothing sound yeah it's regulating your nervous system again like go to a trained professional if you really are working through something yes. but i love but the fact that between. we know it i love the fact that we know that it's you regulating too. us without knowing it well some examples of bilateral stimulation are walking and jogging the right, the rhythmic stepping. and the right and the left. Yes. And your eyes are forward. Gotcha. Yes. I wow. watch pe- I'm going to give you some examples, but okay. I just want to tell you, I watch people, especially when I was doing one-on-one sessions, because I was like staring mm-hmm. into people's eyeballs a lot. I would watch people do like naturally bilateral stimulation. And even when you learn body language, see our episode on body language, <laughs> they teach you to look for somebody bilaterally stimulating so that you know they're trying to soothe themselves. They're calming themselves down. Yes. Okay. So for example, I watched my son recently when he was talking about something hard, tapping on both sides of his face with his hand. He didn't know he was doing it, but you naturally know this. Love it. Love that about us. (laughs) All right. Let me give you some examples. So the first one is the butterfly taps, which I think if you ever see anyone on TV talking about EMDR, you see them doing this. Mm -hmm. So, and this is something you can do to yourself. If you're not driving and it's like safe, I would say you could try it right now. But basically you just cross your arms across each other and put your hands on your shoulders. So your opposite hand is on the shoulder Mm -hmm. and you're just going to tap. Do you want to try it, Jay? Like you're a vampire in a coffin. That's what you look like. Oh yeah. Perfect. (laughs) Yes. Like a dead, a corpse pose. I like that I'm a vampire, not just a corpse. Exactly. It's a little extra. I elevated you. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. So just tapping that. Interesting. That is EMDR. Yeah. that And that is calming. Mm-hmm. And Interesting. And if you, if you, in addition, were to close your eyes and like move your eyes from side to side while you did that, okay. then it would be extra powerful. Love that. So you can do that. Again, EMDR, the therapy part, you need to do with a practitioner. Right. But you can absolutely use some of these techniques on your own as you work through. Right. Okay. Um, Light. So there's something called an EMDR light bar. Mm -hmm. And it looks, I've seen them, it looks like mini Christmas tree lights. Okay. And it's like this little bar and the lights go like, they go on and off like across to the side. So your eyes would follow the lights. Okay. Yeah. So your eyes are going back and forth. Okay. 
They're plastic pulsers. This is what I used when I did EMDR. So you're holding these two little square, like rectangular things in your hands. Mm -hmm. And they're alternating which one is like buzzing. Oh, okay. So it's like sending vibrations through your hands alternatively. Yep. I loved this. And the practitioner that I saw, of course, you know, I had a lot of questions about EMDR. (laughs) I also knew the therapist. Right. But she said she liked that one the best because it didn't involve any interruption. Gotcha. Whereas you might be distracted with light. Mm -hmm. This was just happening as you were talking. And it was like kind of subconscious. Like it buzzes very strong. Like you wouldn't want to clamp down on it. But like, do you know what I'm saying? Like you just felt that stimulation. Some therapists will alternate tapping their hand on your knees. Okay. That obviously they're going to ask you permission and feel comfortable. They should definitely be asking. I mean, I don't think I would enjoy that one. Yeah, I probably wouldn't. It's like, let me tell you about some real tough things while you are touching really me. close to me yeah. and touching me. But yeah, it works. There's the one I'm sure you've seen of like just the fingers going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to track the thing, like track your eyes with the fingers. Mm-hmm. That's doing the REM sort of thing with your eyes. And then there's the music. Yes. Okay. And it doesn't have to be music. It could be any kind of sounds. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to play the TikTok sound okay. for you. And I just want people to listen for a second. I also have another one that's not a TikTok sound. Like an official bilateral sound. To okay. Play. But I would love for you guys to listen and see how you feel when you hear it. Okay. So maybe if, if it's safe, like close your eyes for a second. Ready? Okay. That's the one I was singing the yes. whole time. So if you're on TikTok like us, yes. you're going to have heard that one. Okay. Yeah, and then you put it in, You if you have AirPods in or headphones on, it, it's shifting from the right ear to the left ear, back and forth, back and forth. Exactly right. right. Exactly right. All right, I'm going to play another one. Okay, so here is a, it's like an official EMDR sound with bilateral stimulation. I'll okay. Play, I'll play a little bit of it for you. got it i get it so you can hear even Mm -hmm. though even if you don't have it in headphones and it's not switching for you which it would in headphones right you can sort of feel the different sides of it and how that's pulling on you absolutely i think that's really interesting i agree so you don't have to be doing the therapy to do that right you could just do it while you're working or driving or while you're trying to process something if that's safe for you to do Mm mm-hmm Absolutely. Or if it just feels soothing. Right. Do it. Absolutely. I love that. Agreed. So there's a few celebrities who are really into this. And I had to tell you one of them because Hmm. it's a throwback to last week's episode on the royal family. Who? Prince Harry. Really? Yeah. So he did a whole... Huh. It was around the time of the Oprah interview. Yeah. He, it's, it was a series he did. Um, it wasn't just him, but he like produced it with Oprah. Yeah, yeah. But he was the subject of one of them. I think it was called The Me You Don't See. Mm-hmm. And so he did it on mental health. Mm-hmm. And so he actually showed the butterfly technique that I was showing you, the butterfly taps, and talked about how just being in London caused him PTSD because that's... Oh my God, I can't imagine. His mother and all no, of that okay. kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. So he showed and he talked about it. And I know like sometimes it gets to be a little much when we call people brave for doing 
like just talking about being vulnerable. Well, but in this instance, especially with what he was going through, I thought it was pretty cool that he talked about that. Yeah, I mean, especially coming from like the machine of the monarchy that we talked about last week. Like, yeah, I think any sort of deviation that I think that's probably an extreme yeah. deviation for how he was raised. I agree. I agree. And so Sandra Bullock, Paris Jackson, Michael Jackson's oh, daughter, yeah. and Evan Rachel Wood were all um, people who I could find like articles where they were quoted saying that they used it and huh. really liked it. Evan Rachel Wood. I mean, we might need to do a podcast episode on Marilyn Manson and the whole thing with her. <sighs> yeah, that's a good point. But she used EMDR to get through processing some of that trauma. Wow, that's great. I know. I thought it was really cool. So the criticism, you know, I always have to look for mm. the criticism. The criticism, I could find two things. Okay. The first was people questioning if there was enough proof that bilateral stimulation was effective. Okay. So the argument was that it was the the talking in the therapy and the prolonged exposure to like dealing with the stuff that was mm-hmm. the healing and that you couldn't really prove that the bilateral stimulation had anything to do with it. Okay. I mean... Okay. And so how is that hurting anyone? Exactly. I mean, I don't believe that to be true. I definitely... No, I don't either. I could just feel when I hear the those sounds that my body likes that. It's weird because you would think that people would like that because it's more scientific. Uh-huh. But I just think people like to be contrary at any, any given opportunity. I think for some sciencey science, patriarchal science people, the idea that something like this could be helpful is troubling to them. I agree. I think it's hard to digest. Right. And I also think when you talk about any science, you have to look at like where money is spent, uh-huh. what's being funded. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. we could know a lot more about this if we actually funded things like therapeutic science. Yes. You know, in fact, when I saw this as the like main criticism, I looked into like, all right, were other studies where they were like, watching the brain Mm -hmm. because we know that REM sleep heals the brain right so did anyone try this I couldn't find any right I'm guessing that would be really hard to do right I just I don't I don't think that's a super strong argument I think it's a pretty shitty argument (laughs) but like fine right okay and then the other one was that it like the safety issue and like the misuse if someone is um, trying to do it to themselves or mm. not going to a trained professional, like someone just trying it out. Like if I was right. like, hey, let's let's do this. Right. And like just did it to you and like brought up a terrible memory. I think that's valid. I think it's valid too, but I think it's valid for anything. Anything. And my husband, who probably doesn't want me talking about it, but <laughs> too bad. Um, <laughs> he did this technique yeah. and because he has some pretty severe PTSD for mm-hmm. work related stuff mm-hmm. that he's a firefighter and so um he just lives in the trauma they all do their yes. their work is just constant yeah trauma and they, he's in a patriarchal institution that isn't real supportive of mental health exactly yeah right and he works in Boston so he there's a lot of it this is just a lot of yeah. really scary shit yeah um and that was when he was taught, he used it and he liked it and it yeah. helped him. And it yeah. was, it was a great first step for him into mm-hmm. managing his PTSD. Um, because like I said, you didn't have to talk about it. No. Right. You, you don't have to spill your guts about it. You can just start and do like what's is seemingly just a lot of science. Yeah. And you're the stuff you're bringing up, you're just sort of talking about it and answering kind of a question. You're not right. like, 
here's my life story. Right. And he, I think his therapist did a lot of the talking for him where mm-hmm. she would be reading to him yep. different. It, to me, it sounded like affirmations there. They mm-hmm. weren't, but it sounded yes. like that. Um, where you could tell she was changing the narrative that he had while talking about certain events. But I had that thought about headphones. Mm. He didn't experience this, but I, my first thought was that might be really vulnerable for someone Mm -hmm. if they're really very highly traumatized to put headphones on and like not be completely aware of their surroundings. Yeah. That might be a block for them. I agree. And to I, really open up. I think that's why you have to <clears throat> like really pay attention to yourself and mm. how you feel. There have been times where I've heard the bilateral stimulation mm-hmm. and been like, oh my God, I can't listen to that right now. Like mm. it felt jarring to my body. Right. So I didn't listen to it. Right. And there was other times, the majority of the time where it was exactly what I felt you like needed. I wanted in my right. brain. So I think you just have to pay attention to that. Right. So don't push yourself through. And do it with a therapist who who's going to be able who's going to be watching you mm-hmm. and that you hopefully feel safe enough to be like this feels like too much. Yes, and if you're struggling, if you're having a moment, mm-hmm. try the sounds. Try right. but do it to move out of it and then go see the therapist. Right. Don't just take it on yourself. No, and don't do it alone. And don't do it with someone who's not a licensed practitioner, right. please. Right. Agreed. There are people there's a lot of people licensed in this now. Yeah. And find one you like. Yeah. Any kind of medical doctor, mental health professional, you should feel comfortable with them. Any, any practitioner of anything, mm-hmm. you know, like a Reiki practitioner can give Reiki to you, but you might not like them. Right. So go so to someone So the else. session's going to suck. Yes. You have to feel comfortable. Right. Yeah. Energy is important. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I've done EMDR. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it because I had some clients that I wanted to refer to do it and I mm. wanted to try it. I mean, I have plenty of my own stuff that I, I, I was going to say, well, it wasn't, it like wasn't a... like I'm being like, Oh, I did it, you know, just for everyone <laughs> right. else. But right. I, that's you how had material I to work with. Yeah. That's how I learned about it. So I went and did it. And like I said, I had those pulsar things mm. and also did some of the, the finger tracking. Like, so mm-hmm. she did like that to start the session. And then it was just on the pulsar things in my hands. Yep. And what I think everyone's experience is different, yeah. of course. But I would say what I noticed was that it was like my brain could reach further. Oh, interesting. So when I was talking about the trauma, like the issue that I brought up, I was like looking at like where did this come from? And like, you know me, I ask myself those questions all the time. Mm-hmm. But in this environment with like the props and the, the, the stimulation in mm-hmm. each hand and like the eye movements... It was like my brain had access to more files. Mm. That's the best way I can I describe love that. it. Yep. I also didn't feel terribly triggered. Mm-hmm. Now, full disclosure, because I've done so much work like this, it's really hard for me to feel right. out of control triggered. Right. So take that with a Right, but if you're going in fresh, then be aware. Yes. I think you could be triggered, but I definitely right. think there's a huge calming sensation right i mean and i think about like when you're trained when someone's having like a panic attack or an anxiety attack on what you tell them to do Mm -hmm. what you're telling them to do is very similar to bilateral stimulation true you're telling them to look around the room Mm -hmm. face different directions what's the temperature you're you're grounding them is what you're doing you're bringing them into the present moment so it's not that different to have this other stimulus to be like focused on Right. It kind of reminds me of when you're driving and like your brain has all this space to think of stuff because it's like kind of stimulated, but not too much. Right. Or in the shower. When you talk about it, it sounds almost like the, 
the like waving the fingers in front of your eyes and the the vibration in your hands it almost sounds like it's distracting you just enough so your brain can't put on those breaks of like this is too scary we can't think about this it's like just enough to open the door that you can like you said access more absolutely and in more than it's distracting you it's like a constant sit in your skin Mm. moment right Mm. like if something's buzzing in your hand you have to stay in that moment yeah you can't like fly away no (laughs) as as an expert at flying away right right you know what i mean so it it really has this great balance of that like groundedness and like Mm. a little bit of your brain being busy yeah where while it opens up everything else i should try that my ego loves to throw a block up like i just get like literal amnesia Oh, You've yeah. seen me be like, uh, I, mean, I can't remember. That's not super uncommon. <laughs> I mean, it's your brain protecting itself. Right. So if it had something like that and you could just sort to of focus like on. breathe through and focus right. on that until you were ready, I right. think that would be huge. Especially for someone like you who's like claircognizant. Right. Where, so with claircognizance, like everything's kind of downloaded and you have to access it. That's a good point. I would imagine something like that would create a nice amount of space for you to be able to do that. Yeah, to go pull the files. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I wanted to say that Francine Shapiro died in 2019 of cancer. Her cancer came back. She was 71. But Mm. that she had spent a lot of her life healthy and healing and and dedicated to this work. I think is really cool. I'm glad for that. But I thought I'd end with playing um, a little clip of her, herself, Francine, talking about treating uh, nightmares with EMDR. And I already know that you're going to ask me afterwards to (laughs) tell you the dream she referenced, what it means. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely going to. So I'm going to tell you right now. Okay. Her example is you're in a cave being chased by a monster. Oh, yeah. I definitely would have asked. (laughs) (laughs) So a cave represents anything that you, any place that you would retreat to, a safe space. Okay. Okay. And a lot of times if that cave is something that's like underground, you go into an underground cave, you're talking about like your subconscious. subconscious. Yeah. Okay. If it's in the side of a mountain, more conscious. Okay. Okay. And a monster is just making like something abstract, like fear into a solid form. Okay. And they're running from it. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So there's the translation. Okay. Here's the clip. (laughs) It's a perfect example, actually, of what's occurring. The earlier memory, let's say in PTSD, the trauma being held unprocessed with the emotions, physical sensation, and belief. The brain continues to try to process it, and that's what dreaming is about. REM researchers, dream researchers say, during REM state, what the brain is attempting to do is process survival information to resolution. That's why all of us have had the experience of feeling disturbed at something, going to sleep and getting up the next morning and feeling better about it, a better understanding of what to do. The brain has done what it's supposed to do. It's processed the information and guiding us appropriately in the future. But when a trauma has occurred, it's disrupted that process And though the brain is trying to do it during dream, the person continues to wake up in the middle of a nightmare, et cetera, because it's too disturbing to Mm. occur. So within EMDR, one of the things we'd be looking at is what what are the nightmare images that a person reports? So for instance, a person who is an individual saying they continually wake up in the middle of a nightmare being chased by a monster through a cave. 
we target the the um, the uh, image of the dream, the dream image. And so she's holding in mind being chased through a cave by the monster. We start the processing, and most often what happens is like a veil gets peeled back, and the individual see sees what the actual experience is, and the person reports. Oh my God, that's the person who molested me, chasing me through my childhood home. The processing moves it to resolution. And the person, again, no longer has that dream image because once it's fully processed, it's integrated with larger memory networks and arrives at that adaptive resolution. So that dream image does not come back again. So, Wow. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's super cool. So I don't know. I, I just, love that. I liked a clip of her talking about it. I think you can get a feel for her and yeah. like how into it she is and how many different areas this reaches into. Yeah. Like just think of all the sort of struggling points mm. that you could work through instead of just sort of butting your head up against. Exactly. I love that. So I think that you and I should go listen to those, that bilateral music while we drink some coffee. <laughs> Twice the healing. Hey everyone, Heather and I have an ask for you. If you love this episode or if you love the IGG, can you do us a favor? We need you to go onto whatever platform you listen on and download, subscribe, like, love, whatever it's asking you to do. Can you go do those things for us on the platforms that you listen on? It would mean so much to us. Thanks for listening to our episode. For a way to get in touch with us, please visit our website, intuitivegirlsguide.com. We love hearing your feedback on our episodes.